Hello and welcome to the Poetry Exchange. I'm Michael Schaefer. And I'm Fiona Bennett. How are you, Fee? I'm doing okay, Michael. Thank you. Yes, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm very, what can I say, very full of the two days we spent virtually at Norwich at the National Centre for Writing, doing the exchanges last couple of days. Yes, yeah, it's sort of an amazing thing, isn't it? When you, even even by screen and technology, meet people who you don't know and they come in with the poem that's been a friend to them. Yes, yeah, a very nourishing and filling up experience, isn't it? It sort of leaves you needing to unfill for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, it worked really well, didn't it? You know, it, it is possible to have intimate conversations over Zoom and um, it's really nice to just sort of get back to doing the thing that we very first did originally three or four years ago, whatever it is now. I don't know. There's always something quite satisfying about just going back to having the conversations with people and um, uh, hearing about their relationship to a particular poem. It was It was fantastic. So thank you to everybody that took part in that and um yeah i think it's shown us that it's something that we we will want to do more of as well for yeah definitely absolutely and i want to say a massive thank you to everybody that organized it because these things yeah. take a lot of setting up and making happen so everybody at national writers center and indeed our team sally and john uh, just really amazing because it all went smoothly as far as we know from our end so that was great so this is a bit exciting this episode isn't it Michael yes it is an exciting episode Fee um, this was recorded pre-Covid so uh, it was at the end of last year in fact in November and you and I were in the same room and the poet Rachel Eliza Griffiths was our guest she was in her apartment in New York Fee, do you want to just explain how you first came across Rachel Eliza? I was just remembering this this morning that I had read a poem by Rachel Eliza that was in The New Yorker. It was such a moving thing. I, you know, it's a usual thing. I was online doing some email stuff. It sort of came across my um, stream of things and I stopped to read it and it really stopped me in the tracks of my day in the way that the best poetry can and um, it was very moving so I did what I don't usually do which was that I I, I hadn't heard of Rachel, Rachel Eliza before I looked her up and I just sent her a note to thank her for her poem and to wish her well in her day and to let her know that her poem had made my day better or more connected put it like that and um she replied, so we began a bit of a, a, a kind of conversation and then it occurred to me that she'd be a fantastic person to invite to tell us about the poem that had been a friend to her and she was delighted to respond and find the time in her day, which as it happened, in fact, we spoke to her, I don't know if you remember, on the day that was Toni Morrison's memorial um, event and so she was about to go to that, as I remember. Yeah, that's right, Faye. It's interesting, isn't it? Even even though it was recorded pre-COVID, there's something about a, a compassion in this poem and certainly the way that Rachel Eliza talks about it that feels very appropriate for, for where we find ourselves today. Mm. So, Michael, I just was thinking that... Um, 
In fact, for a while now, I've also had Rachel Eliza's most recent book, although she has a new one forthcoming, um, which we'll say a bit more about uh, later and put some details on the description page, as we always do. But this uh, kind of current, as it were, or most recent collection, Lighting the Shadow, uh, is fantastic. And um, I've been just reading it the last week or so. And she really is... She's a fantastic writer and just huge scope of imagery and emotional power and landscape, both social, political and spiritual, all kind of rolling through the poems kind of constantly. It's just, it's really quite uh, fantastic. And I just really like the opening lines of this poem and I thought you would too. I wish I were like Johnny Cash and thought my heart was mine. Mmm. I thought you'd like that, Michael. Yeah, terrific, isn't it? Yeah. And that's from the poem, the opening lines from the poem, Disarming of Shadow, Arming of Light. That's a great inquiry for a poem, brilliantly opened up. So we encourage people to go and find more of Rachel Eliza's work. So that is from a collection called Lighting the Shadow and uh, Rachel Eliza has a new collection coming out called Seeing the Body. Out now, or very soon to be coming out. 9th um, of June. As yeah. The 9th of June it's coming out, thanks Fee, and it's published by Norton. And I believe that's a collection of photographs and poetry because she's a kind of multimedia artist in fact, so she's got this fantastic connection with photography. And it's interesting because she came to us with the poem that's been a friend to her by a fellow phenomenal woman poet who is also multi-artist form poet. So we're kind of overwhelmed with uh, talent, frankly, in the women that we're introducing today. Well, you're teasing us now, Fee, so I'm going to take us into the conversation. So you'll be hearing myself and Fiona talking about Remember by Joy Harjo, the poem that's been a friend to Rachel Eliza. Thank you so much for, for meeting us across the distance like this. It's absolutely wonderful, it really is. It's and nice to see you both and <laughs> to hear your voices, it's nice. And so we, we literally just um, received your email uh, with the poem that's been a friend to you, Rachel Eliza. Would you mm -hmm. give it a read for us so that we can kind of sure. hear it between us? It would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. Remember the sky that you were born under. Know each of the stars' stories. Remember the moon. Know who she is. Remember the sun's birth at dawn. That is the strongest point of time. Remember sundown and the giving away tonight. Remember your birth, how your mother struggled to give you form and breath. You are evidence of her life and her mother's and hers. Remember your father, he is your life also. Remember the earth whose skin you are. Red earth, black earth, yellow earth, white earth, brown earth, we are earth. Remember the plants, trees, animal life who all have their tribes, their families, their stories too. Talk to them, listen to them. They are alive poems. 
Remember the wind. Remember her voice. She knows the origin of this universe. Remember you are all people, and all people are you. Remember you are this universe, and this universe is you. Remember all is emotion, is growing, is you. Remember language comes from this. Remember the dance language is, that life is. Remember. Thank you so much. That was absolutely wonderful to experience that poem like that. It really was. Where did you first come across this poem? So I first came across this poem probably, I don't know, say maybe four years ago. Another poet sister of mine, whose name is Araceli Skirmai, she's a magnificent, marvelous poet and person, she sent me this poem as a gift during the time that I was really intensely grieving my mother's death. And so um, she sent this poem and she said, I, I think you need this poem. And I probably have carried this poem now on airplanes, state lines, different countries, to different continents. And um, it really came to me as like an exchange of another poet, but also someone who cares about me in my life, saying to me, this is what I can give you in this time of grief and pain. And it became a certain kind of incantation for me, a certain kind of, I would even dare say prayer, but a, a kind of spiritual space and the repetition, I find it very like a meditation, really. I've been reading Joy Harjo's work for, you know, ever since I began writing poetry. And I probably have read this poem before, but it, it's that wonderful thing where in the moment, something arrives that you had before, but suddenly now you really have it because you need it. Um, and it comes into you in a certain way. And so when I read the poem, wherever I am, it's this kind of balm against a certain kind of loneliness or grief and and it just makes me happy it seems to me the poem really speaks of connection so there's something really beautiful about the about the connections and the connectivity that's kind of brought it to you. Um, yes. it, it just kind of seems all of a piece in a way. I agree with that, Michael. I think it's a thing where sometimes we get isolated in our own experience and we feel alone or we just, it's I, it's I, it's I. And this poem, I think, asks you to step back for a minute and think of the whole kind of constellation and that you're a speck and that, it's more of a we mm. and a you, but that you, it's, it's like, remember us, remember all of us are here. Mm. We all have to be born to be here, but we all have to die. And then there are animals and plants and, you know, and so you suddenly, you know, there's a whole system here. There's a whole kind of chaos or disorder or whatever you want to call it, stardust. And that challenge to kind of help balance you, I think, when you're afraid or, you know, when you're happy, it's just like, wow, there's, there, we're all here. And what can we do for each other? And what can we be toward each other? And also, I love how the, the poem allows anybody, any you to bring their own intimacy toward it. Like, remember your mother. So your mother, Fiona, your mm -hmm. mother, Michael, my mother. And in those spaces, 
your father? You know, who is that? Who is your moon and who is your sun? What is your best time of experiencing who you are in your life? And so you can come into the poem wherever you are in your own journey with all of that. And so you get to keep your own story, but you get to connect it, as you said, to the world and something beyond that. And that feels, that just feels quite profound to me. Mm. Brilliantly expressed. We, we were talking a bit earlier about mm. the tendency sometimes with, uh, if you like, identity politics to separate us out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and here there's this fabulous thing. Remember the earth whose skin you are. Red earth, black earth, yellow earth, white earth, brown earth. We are earth. I love mm-hmm. that. You know, and this is so kind great. of, yeah, doing that thing of holding our differences, but also really kind of claiming our, our similarities and our connectedness. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, and I like the sort of declarative energy you know, the, a certain kind of confidence or trust, a certain kind of faith in, in, in the actual earth and what it is. Remember, you are this universe and this universe is you. Mm. Um, and it, and it, I thought for a min- moment about T.S. Eliot's, you know, proof rock of like, do I dare disturb the universe? You know, do I dare? And I think this poem is about daring, mm. daring to remember, mm. you know, mm those things which make you the you that you are. And maybe daring to believe in that connection as well somewhere. Yeah. Well, in this current climate where there's so much despair, there's so much violence, corruption, scandal everywhere you look, Mm. to kind of, as you said, like remember a certain kind of authority or a certain kind of world that is happening in spite of us and will go on or hopefully with the climate stuff who knows but but this this kind of feeling that you just expressed is that even in the face of what we're doing to ourselves there's another memory um and we're forgetting that because we're hyper focused on right now some of the really problematic parts of the human condition are really bearing down now. And so this this politics, as you mentioned, this identity politics, there's a certain thing that's happening in the present, but then there's a thing that's so much older than any of us that, you know, it kind of fills you with awe and it's kind of terrifying. It's a certain kind of terror, but also a certain kind of peace if you can let yourself understand and step back from your ego mm. of, of what, you know, what, what is really at stake here. And I feel the poem, you know, you can give this poem to an elder. We can read this poem at our places in our lives. You could give it to a child and have them memorize it. And you kind of, you know, and that they can they can say, oh, you know, these like elemental things. Here's your mother, your father, the sky, animals, language. And so I like that it's a kind of also creation poem, creation story, um, in a way that feels very connected to a very kind of primal impulse in all of us and that's why i feel this poem is such a friend of my mind and it's a friend of my heart this poem all right that's a lovely that's a lovely thought a friend of my heart and of my mind that's a a wonderful thing i was very struck when you were saying about how it came to you and that you've been sort of traveling with it as well and 
how would you kind of connect with it? Would you take it out and read it? Is it just in you? How does it sort of travel with you? Sometimes, um, you know, I think there's a very, also a thing that happens in the poem is this recognition of like families moving, of migration, of movements of people in space. And so for someone like me, who's kind of on the road a bit right now in my life, um, or is kind of migrant or, or has a certain kind of wanderlust, it's language is a place where I can kind of come to, um, and it can be a sort of compass. And so I have it, I have it, uh, printed out on little pieces of paper and I'll stick it in a bag and I go somewhere and then I come home and I put that bag down. And then like two trips later, I have that bag and, oh, there's my poem. <laughs> or I have a little version in my wallet and sometimes I'm somewhere and things are beyond my control and I'll just take it out and I'll sit there and I'll just hold it. I'm reading it, but I know it. Mm. Or I just hold it and it's the physical folded up creases of paper that I just simply hold. And I'm like, okay, then I can go into a different meditation. So I can just start saying, remember this, remember that. Remember your mother when that day and she did this and you laughed and you danced in the kitchen and she made that thing for you. Remember how that rain sounded in Oaxaca when it came down and hit all the roofs? Mm. Remember how you felt when you saw that President Trump was elected in the United States of America? Can you remember that? Remember that rage when you decide to give up or remember your friend that you, you watch suffering through cancer and how she still made time to see you even at the end of her life. You know, you can just hold that poem. And so then it can travel with you literally as it is, but it also can travel through your own kind of arteries of your own autobiography, like your own, your own little tributaries of where you've kind of been stuck or drowned or sailing through and a poem like this, which, you know, it's very simple, but this this is one of the most complicated and complex poems I think I have ever encountered because I can't let it go of it and it doesn't let go of me. It's not the feeling where you read a book of poems or a poem and you're like, okay, I respect this poem, it's great, but you don't think of it anymore and you experienced it and you move on. Mm -hmm. And this is a poem I never want to move on from because you know, in 20 years, I'll still be holding this poem somewhere inside of me. Mm. I also feel, you know, this poem, I think, in a certain kind of way of empathy or dialogue with other people, too, that you come across that maybe you're at odds with or are antagonizing, you can try to remember their father, their mother, remember they are Earth, too. Remember these different things in them um, as you are trying to perhaps reach a common goal or to have a conversation with someone or something that is difficult, this poem is so natural. And at the same time, there is a there's a political in it, too, mm. to mm. also remember the tribes, families, histories, right? There's something about the narrative of history and who owns that, who authors that, who erases that, who capitalizes or pays for that. Who is paying for what the narratives are happening in climate and violence against women and children, uh, against scandal and corruption? Who is paying? A lot of those people aren't even born yet, and they're going to pay. There are people who, whose lives, they're, they're buried in sand. We'll never know what really happened. We can't know, but we can go forward in each of our own lives. 
and that seems to be powerful. That's power to me. Hmm. I think you said you're friends now with Joy. I am. I've known Joy for a long time, and I. I have so much respect for her. She's one of my favorite poets. A few years ago, I taught a class at Sarah Lawrence College about poets who also write memoirs. And she has a, a memoir I love called Crazy Brave. And I find that she is a poet that other people, particularly students, can really feel something, that they're not just asked to be clever with their mind, that their heart is allowed to be in the room, and that the heart can educate as much as the mind. But I feel thankful that more and more recently, I get to see Joy more because she's moving around in the world. Thank goodness. Yeah. And um, no, she is, she is a friend of mine. And so presumably she knows that you have this relationship with this poem, does she? I don't know. I mean, I, I've in the last maybe six months, whenever I read, I begin my reading with this poem. But I almost feel like it would be I would be shy like even even some of my dear friends whose work I love and, and I'm very close to them, sometimes before I'm going into the classroom or in front of an audience, I need like my friend there. And so I'll read their work. Um, but I, I don't know how then like hanging out or seeing them and be like, you know, I read your poem before my, you know, sometimes I'll tell them. But I almost think it's wonderful that I don't have to tell her and that when I see her, I hope she can see the light in my eyes and my heart towards her and she knows. Remember. Remember the sky that you were born under. Know each of the stars' stories. Remember the moon. Know who she is. Remember the sun's birth at dawn that it is the strongest point of time. Remember sundown and the giving away tonight. Remember your birth, how your mother struggled to give you form and breath. You are evidence of her life and her mother's and hers. Remember your father he is your life also. Remember the earth whose skin you are. Red earth, black earth, yellow earth, white earth, brown earth. We are earth. Remember the plants, trees, animal life who all have their tribes, their families, their histories too. Talk to them, listen to them. They are alive poems. Remember the wind, remember her voice. She knows the origin of this universe. Remember you are all people and all people are you. Remember you are this universe and this universe is you. Remember all is in motion, is growing, is you. Remember language comes from this. 
Remember the dance language is, that life is. Remember. That was Fiona with the gift reading at the end here. Our thanks, of course, to Rachel Eliza for giving us permission to use the conversation and to Joy Harjo and Norton for allowing us to use her poem, Remember. So what a fantastic privilege it is, Michael, isn't it, to be putting an episode out into the world featuring a poem by the current American Poet Laureate in conversation with such a great writer as Rachel Eliza. It just feels like a full of richness and power. And yeah, we're very, very lucky to have had time with that conversation and to have delved into that extraordinary poem. Yeah, and this this is a, we've had a little run of female American poets, which is more by accident than design, but kind of lovely nonetheless from different eras. So we had Ashes of Life by Edna St. Vincent Millay, uh, and then we had the, the Ballet Black episode that featured the poems of Adrian Rich from her collection Dark Fields of the Republic. And now, as you say, yeah, the American Poet Laureate, Joy Harjo. It's really great. Both those writers, uh, both Rachel Eliza and Joy Harjo, doing so much in their work, all the way through their work, to uh, seek out and lift up and find images of hope, but also images that honour and remember and make great and specific inquiry into the truth of things. And those voices are so needed right now. So it is brilliant that we're able to be with their words and their work at this time. So just one other thing that... um came to mind I know that you've just had an article published I wondered if uh, we'll put a a link to it in the description page but I wondered if you wanted to just tell us a little bit about that yes thanks Michael that was a wonderful opportunity uh, to be commissioned by National Centre for Writing to write about poetry in lockdown or poetry in isolation and um, yeah it was it was an honour to be asked to do it and then of course quite a grapple thinking exactly how to say something considered and useful about this huge experience that we're going through, all of us so individually and with such different experience of it. In the end, I focused on the companionship of poetry in the sense of poems being a kind of presence, not just a a set of language that is communicating meaning, but something that carries soul and embodiment in it. Also very useful for me was remembering Muriel Reichs's brilliant quotation of poetry being the truths of outrage and the truths of possibility, which feels like that is the kind of truth we need right now. Yeah, it feels very appropriate for now, Fee. Yeah, thank you. That's about all we've got time for this month. We'll be back with you next month for more Poems as Friends. Until then, thank you for listening. <laughs>